This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 240 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Fleeceworks. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Glenn the Geek here with you, producer of the Dressage Radio Show. Reese and Philip and the Paras have the week off this week for the holiday, much deserved. We have a revisit for you from one of our favorite shows from 2013, a little bit later. And we'll be back next week with a brand new show. It is the revisit of the Trivia Challenge. Reese and Philip have challenged Helena and I over on the Stave Scoop radio show to a rematch to a show we did last year at this time where Helena and I just squeaked it out at the very end, the very last question we got correct to beat Reese and Philip in a Trivia Challenge, which was hosted by Coach Jen of the Horse Tip Daily Show. So we're going to be doing that again this year. It was a lot of fun, and I'm sure you'll enjoy that coming up next week. And I We'll see. We'll see if Reese and Philip can pull it out or if uh, Helene and I can hang on for for a second year in a row. We'll find out next week. I have many terrific shows planned for you on the Dressage Radio Show for 2014. You'll have to stay tuned and uh, keep an eye on it. It is a WEG year, so it's going to be a lot of fun as we get into WEG season. This show is brought to you by Fleeceworks, and we're going to hear from them right before we do a replay of episode 205, where we had First Lady of Kentucky Jane Bashir and Coach Conrad Schumacher. We're going to hear that episode again as we go forward in uh, today. So enjoy your week. We'll be back here next week with a brand new show for you. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance, and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 205 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Thinline Global Products. This is Reese Koffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer, Glenn. Howdy, guys. Hey, Hello. guys. How are you? I have a Rolex, I have a Rolex hangover. 
Oh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about it. I have a Rolex hangover too. No joke. And uh, we had a wonderful clinic here um, with Conrad Schumacher. And of course, I snagged him for an interview, which we're going to hear today. But yeah, we had Rolex and we had uh, the clinic. So I'm sort of delirious today. I'm not going to lie. Busy week. I've just been relaxing. We got some good weather and uh, it's been fun. That's it. Well, now I hear a rumor, though, that you two are going to be together this weekend. Yeah, we get to hang out together again. Yeah. I am so excited. We can't wait. And we have our spouses this time and they get along great. So Philip and Meredith are coming to Kentucky for Derby weekend, which uh, again, we're, we're so excited. We have the first lady of Kentucky, Jane Bashir on the show today. So she's going to tell us a lot about um, what to do. And uh, Philip, I have to be honest. I really want to go on the bourbon trail. I've never done it. <laughs> you, you have never done, done it? it? No. Well, you well, have you to know, enjoy bourbon first. I think that's a pretty Oh, you know what? I don't like bourbon that much. It didn't matter. After you drink two or three of those tastings, <laughs> oh, you're good. I, I, I think that's what we should do. We, uh, so right, we'll, we'll pick I, a day to do that. That'll be really yeah. fun. I've yeah. never been, you know, to the, and they're beautiful and they're great drives out there. So I have, I've never done it. So that's sort of, I, that's, that's my two cents in, in what we do. And uh, we have a derby party to go to. And so lots of, I like lots to, of, I like to visit the Keeneland track. That's a beautiful track. I mean, you know, the derby is fun in Louisville, but I think Keeneland is a, is the best track I've ever been to. It so. is. Yes. Maybe we'll go over. Sure. Maybe we'll have breakfast in in the morning or something. The thing yeah. about Churchill Downs, you know, people who haven't been there don't realize that it's in the middle of like one of the worst parts of Louisville. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not a really pretty. They're cleaning area. it up. Yeah, it, it's yeah. getting better, but uh, yeah, it's not in a great place. Um, and Churchill itself is a really big track. It's it's like Philip said, if you have a chance to come to Lexington, which is where Keeneland is, it is a it is probably one of the most beautiful tracks in the world. And so to go to Churchill, you just kind of look around and say, Oh, wait, wait Derby. Uh, yeah, the, 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 when you compare the two, I mean, especially when the when the blossoms are out right now and everything. I mean, it's it's night and day as far as you know, like um Churchill has has its, its experience, right? Because you get, yes. I mean, how many thousands of people there at, at the at the Derby? A you lot. know, I should, we should have asked Jane, but it is yeah. it is a lot. Well, usually, they they're over a hundred thousand usually. Yeah, I think it was. Oh 100, yeah, hundred and twenty. Oh yeah, we'll have to look that up. But a yeah. lot. We'll put that on the <laughs> Facebook page. It's a lot, a lot of people, and um, it is totally different experience. And in, in going to the Derby, I think should be on everyone's bucket list. It's something. Yeah, whether you're horsey or not, yeah. right? I think everyone would would enjoy that big party. So uh, I'm yeah. really looking forward to it, and and looking forward to seeing Reese. And uh, I think and it's going to be a fun week. Can I get back to the bourbon for a second? There's yes. one distillery <laughs> that you have to go to. What I thought was the, one of the most beautiful drives that I've ever taken was to Woodford, Woodford Reserve, uh, which is in Versailles. It's not too far from Reese. Very and, close, yeah. Yeah, it is just one of the most beautiful drives, and, and it, they do they do great tours there, and they give you a little more than the other tours do as far as <laughs> So I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I need a little more. <laughs> Maybe a little less Woodford, that particular bourbon, I think, is my favorite. They, their bourbon is, is yeah. really... I, I'm a, I'm a I, you know, bourbon I'll drink on, on Derby weekend, but uh, it, it is really good. So if you ever get a chance to try Woodford Reserve, I would suggest it. It's it's much better than your average bourbon. But, now, there's yeah. something else they do there, too, put a plug in for Woodford, is they do a lunch <laughs> on the porch there every weekend. So you can go have lunch and drink bourbon, and it's the most beautiful setting. And they're probably, they're usually pretty involved in the Kentucky Derby. So uh, they probably have big parties there this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole the whole state. To, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the whole state is just, you know, we go literally from Rolex to Derby. It's so it's it's 10 days or, or two weeks of just all horse all the time. So it's pretty cool. It's it's a really special time to be here Speaking in the Speaking of Rolex, Miss Modest over there. Somebody did the test ride at Rolex that we know. Uh, oh, thanks. It, all that the way was from fun. start to finish? Uh, we made it all the way start to finish. Winnie, that is a great honor to be to be asked to do that. And um, it, it's it's hard. It's it, um, That is a big horse experience. It's the same experience that the horses had from the WEG. They have to leave the stabling. They have to walk. Um, there's a horse path, but it's through kind of the cross-country field up and around the stadium where they're getting ready and they're, you know, camera trucks and all kinds of stuff. And they have to come down the hill and go into the stadium. And Winnie was a rock star. She really, I was so, that's by far the biggest venue that she has ever, ever seen by, by miles. And she was, she was perfect. She really was a good girl. So it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, a little mistake in the test, you know, but um, the, the eventing tests are very different than the dressage test. Eventing dressage tests, their questions are, are very different than the questions um, that we ask, uh, you know, dressage horses to do. So that was that was interesting. Um, and, and Winnie had been showing. So Miss Winnie was great, though. She she really was showed me that she could do sort of the big ring experience. So that was pretty cool. So I was I was on cloud nine for sure after that. Great. Yeah, great. it was fun. And then so we went into a great show that yeah a great show coming up with the first lady and um, Mr. Schumacher. Uh, I know I was the, nervous for the show, guys. I'm not going to lie. Two of two, of, <laughs> two, two very guests. special yeah. people, huge guests that are part of my life, and and they were wonderful to come on. Uh, the first lady of Kentucky, um, Jane Bashir, but she is also works as hard as all of us do in her riding, and she's going to talk uh, to us a little bit about Kentucky, and then she's going to talk to us also about just her riding in general. She is a dressage rider um, for for everybody uh, that that didn't know that, and and she works very hard on on it. And then I also got Conrad Schumacher. He was here doing a clinic. And then uh, I, I sat him down in a chair with a glass of wine and said, we're going to do an interview for 15 minutes. So um, Philip wasn't able to be there and, and Glenn was with me. But I was nervous for both these interviews, guys. But I think they turned out well. So I hope everyone enjoys. Well, Reese, we almost missed the news. We forgot to talk about the World Cup that just happened. A new champion was crowned, ha- Helen Langehannenberg. That's a long last name. But uh, she rode Damon Hill to victory, while two-time champion Adelinda Cornelison and Parcival were runner-up, and Edward Gall and Glock's Undercover were third. So really exciting dressage week, uh, maybe not in North America, but for Europe. And uh, and our two Canadians did really well and uh, and showed their stuff over the weekend. So uh, that was really exciting. Yeah, that was a big one. And there's, there was good, really good coverage and, and some stuff online. If you want to find it, it's very easy to find it right now. And the other bit of news was Ravel, Stefan Peters' longtime horse, was officially retired at Del Mar National uh, Horse Show on Saturday night. Um, he really has been a top horse for the U.S. for the last five years. Um, they were second American combination to win the World Cup title and the only one to capture the CDIO at the world's most prestigious event, the World Equestrian Festival at Aachen. And he will now live at his owner, Akiko's Farm in Northern California. So we wish them well and hit on his retirement for sure. 
Well, it's truly an honor this afternoon to have the first lady, who is the governor's wife of Kentucky, on the show, uh, Jane Bashir, and she is an avid dressage rider and also um, will talk to us a little bit about Derby Week in Kentucky. Well, it is truly a, pre- a pleasure to have the First Lady of Kentucky, Jane Bashir, with us today. And um, some people know, but Jane is one of my students. So it's it's such a pleasure to have her. And, and I have to be honest, Jane, I'm a little bit nervous about interviewing you in this role. Well, sometimes I'm a little nervous when I come in to take a lesson, Reese. So, you know, <laughs> I'm about I think you should always be a little bit nervous for a lesson. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> or an interview in this case, for sure. <laughs> So, Jane, we wanted to start the interview today and talk a little bit about this is a very special week in Kentucky, and I'm so glad you took time out. It is Derby Week here in Kentucky. Yeah, I'm, and I'm headed dirt. down this week to to experience the whole thing. I'm going to visit Reese, and uh, and so I need to know, what is there to well, do in Kentucky besides the Derby? And uh, and tell me all about the Derby as well, so I know, well, so I have a heads up all, for my trip. First of all, rest up. Because um, (laughs) derby time in Kentucky is very busy. You know, we've just come off of of the Rolex three-day event. So we are very focused on the horse all the time, but particularly during this period of time, having had the top riders in the world here um, for competing at Rolex. And now we have the top thoroughbred three-year-olds racing on on derby day. Um, So it's it's, there's just, you know... So much about Kentucky, it's it's in its most beautiful time of the year, springtime. Everything is blooming. Um, we're at our best to welcome everyone from all over the world uh, to enjoy the the um, the king of sports, which is thoroughbred racing, and and of course this is the horse capital of the world. Well, Jane, a lot of people think that Kentucky Derby Day, which is uh, this Saturday, it's a day. But in Kentucky, Kentucky Derby is a is a week or more. But uh, <laughs> they celebrate it for a week, and pretty much the drinking starts on Monday and ends on late <laughs> Sunday night. Um, do you do they keep you busy all week? I'm shocked we even have you on the phone. Well, we started early this morning um, with the, the drinking. And I work. No, 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 no. I did have a little bread pudding this morning. But, <laughs> oh, um, yummy. The best. But uh, we start uh, today at the um, uh, other preparations have been going on before, and there have been other events prior to, to uh, this beginning of this week. But today we started on the backside of the track. We go at dawn, and when the horses are out breezing on the track, and we do interviews with all of the radio and TV shows, um, talking about the Derby and and about Kentucky and about the number of people that will be coming for this event. So, I love that. You know, while everybody else is talking, I'm turning around watching the 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 horses on the track. And you know, you listen to those those hoofbeats on that on that dirt track, and it just it just raises your expectations and gets everybody so excited about Derby Day. And you know, we don't only have Derby Day, but we have the Oaks Day before, which is for the Phillies. And so that's always an exciting time, too. And I'm really proud because uh, Churchill Downs uh, has been working with an organization that I'm involved with, Horses and Hope, and, and others that are dedicated to breast cancer. So the day, Oaks Day being the Philly Day, it we pink out Churchill Downs. They drape it in, in pink. The spires are pink. And everybody comes dressed in pink. So if you're coming for Oaks Day and Derby Day, you must come. 
in pink. And you know, when when you think about racing over the last couple of years, you think about the Phillies because it's been Zenyatta and Rachel Alexandra that have really, uh, really lit up the racing world and brought racing back to normal people again. Well, and it's not only that, but but it's it, it's it's Phillies and mares and 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 all of the disciplines uh, since I too arrived to Phillies to mares. Um, you know, we girls are pretty special. <laughs> now I did have one right. one other follow up question here for you about the Derby. You guys, you've been in uh, your husband rather, and you uh, have been in office for five years now. Well, we're in our sixth. We're in our sixth year. Does it ever? get old showing up on Derby Day at Churchill Downs and seeing the Twin Spires. I, I, you know, I realize it's a little bit different for you guys because uh, you're there to, you're there, you're there as an official visit, but you're, you're also horse people. So does it ever get old showing up for that day? And it's just, it's always a thrill. You know, when you drive up and see those fires and you walk into that track and you see all of the people that are there for the Derby and, my goodness, when that race goes off, the roar that goes up from the crowd is just, it, it, it is something, unless you're there, you don't get the feel of what that is. You know, a jockey friend of mine told me one time that um, somebody had told her that, 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 that probably the hardest part of racing is when you come down the, the final turn and this and you hit the wall. And she said she didn't know what it was till she ran her first major race. And that wall is the crowd as they roar and, and yell for their favorite. And she said it's, 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 it's quite an experience for her. And it's quite an experience for everybody that's there. And we're always across from the crowd. We're above the tote board as we watch that race. And it's, it is just, it's a phenomenal um, sound and then the beauty of the horses as they, as they go past. And, of course, my husband will tell you that the reason he ran for governor was so he could present the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reason. I like it. So can you give me a couple of other Kentucky highlights, things I should check out, you know, besides the Derby and, and probably the horse park? What, what else is going on? Well, of course, you just mentioned the horse park is my love. Yeah. Um, I've been involved with it for since it, uh, uh, practically since it began, and it's something that people should not miss if they're interested in the horse, and even if they're not involved in horses. There's so much to see. It's so much about Kentucky. But uh, the the Bourbon Trail, you know, we have so many of our distilleries that are um, open for tours, and, of course, there is an entire tour, and, you know, it's kind of like the wine tasting tour uh, out in California. We also have a wine tasting tour in Kentucky. So um, you just have to be careful how much you pay. I was just going to say, they did get free samples, Philip, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right up my alley. (laughs) But uh, that's a wonderful thing. You know, 95% of the bourbon um, that that is produced is produced in Kentucky. And, of course, my husband says the other 5% is counterfeit. So, um, (laughs) you know, if you really want to taste, if you really want to taste of Kentucky, bourbon is certainly it. And, you know, there's just, there is just so much around here to, see and do you know we've got our breeding farms and some of those are available by um by appointment to be able to go in and see some of the famous stallions and hear about the breeding process um you know if you're about and around we've got natural bridge that's not very far away if you're a zip liner if that's there if you're a rock climber that particular area is is famous all over the world as being one of the best rock climbing areas that that, that is that is existing 
Can I put in a plug for something for horse husbands and families who are maybe not into the horse thing that get, get, uh, have to go along to Kentucky? Is okay. one of my favorite places, and we went many times when I lived there, was Mammoth Cave. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I love Mammoth Cave. One of the natural wonders of the world. It is. It truly Um, is. I just we love it. And right down the street from there is a little automobile plant too. So Uh, yeah, Yeah. you know the only place in in, in, where the Corvette is made. Yep. Yep. So you know we 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 are very proud of that because you know we have we have the huge Ford plant that's here in Kentucky. We have Toyota, and now we're getting ready to. um, uh, They just announced that the Lexus is now going to be built in Kentucky, in Georgetown, Kentucky, and then we have the Corvette. My husband's hoping one of these days that might be his car. (laughs) (laughs) I think you would like that, for sure. So, Jane, I'm going to switch gears because, of course, going to... I'm so proud that you are a dressage rider now. You, When I started, uh, we started together, oh, goodness, many, many years ago, probably eight or nine years ago, I was so young and, and I've learned that we have learned a lot together as we've gone through. So you are, you have changed now from eventing to dressage. How is the change going? Well, I, I, I you know, it, it actually some days really good. Some days, <laughs> not days just like eventing is. Um, I just don't have as much time these days to do all the preparation for, you know, in the event world, because you've got to spend so much time in cross country and, and um, and and perfecting your stadium jumping, and not to mention the dressage that goes along. And my time is so limited because of, of my husband's position and all the things that I do in the state. So to to really narrow my concentration, um, I've really narrowed down to to mostly doing dressage, at least in competition times. And it, you know, it's it's a good thing for me because there's, it's a real focus. And you know, I am one of those. Um, I think they call me an A personality type. I want to do things and I want to do them correctly and, and, you know, and I'm very competitive. And so this certainly is a channel for all of that. And particularly being an amateur um, and an amateur that doesn't have a whole lot of time, but the time that I spend, I try to make it as productive as possible. And you do a great job. And and you have a tricky mare. Um, Miss Prissy is her name. She is a little bit on the tricky side. Um, She's made, but- a- she is aptly named. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she is kind of, but we love her. And she's been like that since she was a young lady. So what are some challenges that you have? Um, you know, like you said, your time is limited and that's, it is difficult on a horse like Prissy. How do you deal with that with her? Well, I think it's any time that, that, that you're dealing with an animal, there has to be an understanding. And sometimes when days or times are not going so well for me, it, it, it um, communicates to the horse and she is certainly a very sensitive horse. So if I'm a little bit tense, which I tend to be, um, she becomes tense. And she is one of those that is, is extremely unpredictable. She can be, um, she can put in a brilliant test or a brilliant lesson. And then the next time she shows up, she, there there is a gremlin in every corner and there is no focus whatsoever. So she's always a challenge, but that's the way I, I like, you know, um, my husband and my, my son, who is an um, equine veterinarian, are constantly trying to convince me to go to the gilding, you know, a nice, quiet gilding, but then that's not the challenge that I need. <laughs> so, you know, um, the part of it is, is trying to get the best out of her. And that takes a lot of, um, um, concentration and, and, um, really work on my part. So when I do have time, I try to put as much in it as I possibly can. 
Now, are the, do you have any tricks or, or tips for anyone trying to find time? Is, is, there a way to, is there a way to do it, to balance your life that way? Well, you know, the horses have always been kind of the leveler in my life, always from the time I was a child. My father told me, um, and, and everyone else who would listen, that if he had not been involved with horses as a teenager, he, he probably would have shipped me off to the furthest points of the world. But that's, uh, <laughs> that's the only way he survived my teenage years. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. <laughs> I was just I was just a typical teenager. But I've always used the horse as... as um, as as a way to kind of level my my world, and I think that's the beauty of a horse. Whether you compete with them, whether you race them, whether they're your backyard pony, you know they 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 get either the best or the worst out of you. You know, as I tell parents whose children want to start riding, I encourage it beyond belief because it it teaches patience, it teaches teamwork, uh, responsibility. All those things, all those traits that you use in every other avenue of your life if you want to be successful. So for me and, and for anyone, um, anyone else that's an amateur that's working with families and jobs and everything else, is you do have to carve the time out. You just have to make it. I get a schedule every week, and I go through that schedule, and I mark out um, periods of time where, where I dedicate it to either a lesson with Reese or that I go home and practice for the next lesson with, with Reese. Uh, and, and for me, it's really difficult because I have to leave Frankfurt and, and, and drive 40 minutes to the farm, change my clothes, get on the horse, ride for the period of time that I've set aside, get back in my clothes, go back and either give a speech or um, host a dinner or something else. Now, my hair doesn't always look as good as I would like it to look <laughs> when I get back um, because I always wear my helmet. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think everyone can find some time if you, if you just make that effort, but you have to schedule it, you know, and that's, I think that's so important with everybody in, in the, the busy lives that, that we all lead. And I have to say that, you know, Reese is a trainer, particularly of amateurs, and many of her people are, um, uh, of various dressage, strictly dressage, and she has a lot of event folks too. And everybody is 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 busy. But I have to say that you know, in choosing a trainer too, you need to, if you are as busy as I am, and many people are, you're you've got to have a trainer that 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 is able to work with you in a timely situation. I can't say to Reese, I need a lesson every Monday at two o'clock because I don't know where I'm going to be. So, you know, it's not very easy for her. She's so cooperative with me when I call when I will call her and say, I've got time on Monday. I've got about a three hour window. Is there something is there time in there that you can work me in? And that's, you know, that, that's a lot of the issue that, that is out there for many people, not just me. Well, but one of the things, Jane, that I always find that's so amazing about when you come for a lesson, when you come for a lesson, you always are here early, you always have time, you really schedule it and you put your phone away and, and it's very much time that you carve out for yourself. And that's something that I, I always admire about what you do. And uh, you truly are an inspiration for all amateurs and you do a heck of a job. You went to regionals last year and we've got our first score. You went last year training in first level and this year... Um, uh, we're getting ready for second level. You already have one score, so uh, we're getting there. So it's it's such an honor and a privilege to work with you, and and you truly are amazing for all riders and somebody that we can all learn from. So 
Jane, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're you're busy this week and I hope everyone enjoys having a derby party and pinking out this week. Absolutely. Thank you, Reese, and thank all of you. Um, Hi, everybody. Glenn here. We just finished a terrific series on leg protection that was brought to you by the good folks over at Thinline Global. If you missed it, go to horsetipdaily.com and check out all four parts. They still have a fantastic coupon for Horse Radio Network listeners for 12% off your next order at thinlineglobal.com. Whether you buy their saddle pads, horse boots, or tack items, everything is 12% off with this coupon code. Just type radio in the coupon section at checkout at thinlineglobal.com. Well, it is truly an honor to introduce my mentor, Conrad Schumacher, who has been national team coach for Germany, for Holland, for Great Britain. And he was also the Young Rider team coach. And he started, we started working together now 20 years ago, and he's been extremely influential in my career. Um, So I hope everyone enjoys uh, the Master of Dressage. Well, it is an honor this evening to have my mentor and teacher, Conrad Schumacher, here with us this evening. Conrad, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. (laughs) Well, we've had a very wonderful weekend of clinics here at at Maple Crest Farm, and we even have a very unusual setup. You are sitting in the indoor, and I'm in my apartment, and so we're in the same location but not quite sitting together this evening. But one of the questions, and and I really had to think about what to ask you uh, because you, you are such an amazing teacher, is you always say to riders and when you give a clinic that you are making a rider and not making a horse. Can you tell can you kind of start the conversation about what you mean by saying that? Well, I made the experience in the dressage um, business that um, the horses develop only really well when the rider is good. Actually, riders are making the horses, and that is one one reason. The other reason is I've trained a lot of young riders in my life. It's more than three and a half thousand all over the world, and maybe like two thousand in America. And um, when you train young riders, you have to train the rider, you have to make them understand the giving of the aids and how things are working together. And so this is my background and this is my experience and because of that, I train riders primarily and uh, the riders later, they make them the horses good and the horses become successful. This is so true. I mean, I started riding with you, oh goodness, it's about 20 years ago. Um, so I have personally had several horses that we've worked together. Um, and, and it's very true as we go through, um, the scale and, and, in the scale of training and learning every horse is different and, um, you have to be able to, to change to different horses. So we also talk a lot about, uh, feel and learning about feel and how we, we feel and teach and, and learn what feel is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I mean, the difficulty in teaching a rider is that you have to teach technical, uh, the giving of the aids. Uh, This is relatively easy because 
you can describe it by words. And it's also logical and someone who is intelligent understands that right away. But then you have to teach the field because the giving of the aids has also two aspects. It's not only the technical aspect, it has the aspect of the timing of the aids. And the timing of the aids cannot be done with the brain. It can be done only when you have learned to feel. Now, when you talk about feel, that doesn't help the writer because words don't cover that, really. So my way of teaching is I produce together with the rider and the horse situations where the field will come up and then I turn the rider in that moment, that's it. And then I do hope that the riders remember and I do that often and then I do it in variations and after a while the riders will learn to feel. And then we have the prerequisite of giving the aids in a good way. So tell us, you know, when you start talking about the the technical aspect, and I and let's talk a little bit, let's say about um, picking up the canter because we we saw that a lot, or I saw that a lot today as we went through. We had young horses to Grand Prix horses, and you know we had the young ones who had to learn to pick up the canter by going through the neck. And when you when you start talking about giving the aids in that moment, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, when you want to proceed from a trot, for example, with the young horse into the canter, so technically it is the weight of the rider must be on the inside seat bone more than on the outside seat bone. That has to do with the balance, and you can achieve that easily by pushing your inside leg a little bit further down, and then the horse must have um, a nice um, flex to the inside that is technically done with your inside hand to turn the wrist carefully to the inside and the outside rein stands passive at the neck, and then your inside leg switches down because of the seat position is assisted by the outside leg, which is a little bit behind the first, and then you have the right position of rider and horse, and then you can close the legs, and this will make the horse tendering, but it might be that a young horse, which has never done that before, has to learn that and understand that. That may take a little while, but then the horse has understood, and then it goes. So this is technically described relatively easily. But the moment when you actually ask for this canter, that would be then the moment where you feel that the horse is ready for it. And this is now the second part of you. Right, exactly. And that's that's the tough part. And today we worked a lot also um, on giving in the neck. And we started in the halt. Uh, and we would take this all the way to the canter transition or to Piaf if, if appropriate for the horse. So talk to us a little bit about when you're dealing with neck position in the halt, for example. How how do you feel uh, with your, your seat and your legs to get the horse round or keep the horse round that way? Well, I mean, first of all, this is what I do a lot with all the riders and the horses to do it in the halt um, with the 
giving the horse a good neck position because in the horse, the horse as well as the rider, they have nothing to do but concentrate just on that neck. They don't move, so they have a great possibility to develop the field, both of them. The horse feels good when the neck is well rounded, and the rider feels this as well, and then you can do exercise in the halls, a slight flex to the left, a slight flex to the right, then you can give one side from your wrist and take the other side, uh, or you keep both hands steady and wait on the doors as given the neck and so on. You can make the crest of neck flip over to the left or flip over to the right, depending on what you want to do. And when you have that done, then there is so much understanding between horse and rider that later when you go for the walk and for the trot and for the canter, you save a lot of time when you when you exercise it like that. And you also, when you have to make one rounded in the hall, you can let the horse stretch down. And the horse will try to see the deep outline and then you retake the reins. So you can train in the hall, um, not only the neck positions and the flex, you also can train the stretching and the retaking of the reins. And when the rider can do that, then he rides way better because he's always able to reward the horse in the right moment. The reward comes by a lightening of the contact or the stretching. Yeah, and it works, ladies and gentlemen. I will tell you, I worked a lot on that today on, on the young horses especially, and it was very, very helpful. Um, another exercise, um, Herr Schumacher, if we could talk about, you did a great exercise also to help with the neck, uh, the turn on the forehand. Um, you did that with all the riders almost. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the aids for the turn on the forehand, but also the feeling of the neck and the turn on the forehand? Yes, when you turn on the forehand uh, and you do that with the flex next to the inside and then you use the inside leg to turn the horse together with the inside hand but without using the inside hand much. The inside hand is only flexing the horse. Then you have a good influence on the horse's spine. Uh, this slow turning loosens the spine. And because of that, the horse becomes soft in the neck. And this is very helpful to uh, teach that to the rider because always when the rider is on the way with the horse and the horse gets a little bit strong in the hand because it's young, or it gets a little bit excited because of environmental issues, then you can go back to this hall, turn the horse up the forehand, and you have it soft again. This is why we do that, and that is an old exercise which was already done hundreds of years ago uh, in the classical riding in Europe. Yeah, and it's amazing how many horses, you know, we saw some some upper-level horses today that weren't so comfortable with that movement, and uh, it's something that you use a lot, the turn in the forehand, and you, you did also a, a really neat exercise that incorporated leg yields today and the turn in the forehand down the wall 
Um, can you yeah. explain that exercise? Because that was sort of the next step in this in this softening of the neck and the feeling for the riders. Yeah. Well, basically, the um, turn on the front and the leg heel uh, has the same idea. We drive the horse with the inside leg to the outside leg and to the outside brain. And when you do it in the hall on the turn on the front, it is comparatively easy. And the next step is when you go down the long side and you flex the horse to one side and you drive it, for example, from the right side to the left side, you finish that movement down the long side of the arena with the turn on the forehand. You go from this movement into the turn on the forehand. This is more complicated because the horse is moving. But when the horse has learned it in the halt, that it will do it easily. And then you have a great tool for using this exercise also. Maybe you're on the show ground and you warm up your horse. You can do it there. Um, and it will help uh, tremendously to get hold of the horse um, in a good way. Uh, on a showground, normally a turn on the forehand with a halt is difficult to do because in the warming up, you cannot just only halt. The other riders are riding around you and the horse get nervous. But this turn on the forehand, which comes from a walk, can be practiced almost everywhere. So this is then the next step and will be as successful uh, like everything which is done properly, uh, riding from the inside to the outside so carefully that the horse gets more contact on the outside rein. Can you just explain to us what, what you mean by riding from the inside to the outside to for our listeners? What, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, of course, not that that is so real visible in a way that the horse is pushed to the inside leg hard to the outside. Uh, it is more a very skillful, soft riding with the inside leg a little bit to the outside, but the outside leg is in a guarding position. It is then a little bit behind the curve and holds the horse there without pressure. And this little bit of driving from inside to outside makes the horse round and soft on this inside. And that is particularly important for all the classical movements. You have to have the horses soft on the inside that you can ride half-pulse or candle pirouettes or whatever it is. And that is practice already with these simple movements on the lower level. The horses get the understanding for that. But again, it is almost not visible. It is done very, very carefully. Yeah, and, and it's truly amazing to watch you do it because when when you do it, and I, and I certainly try to teach all my students, but when I watch you do it, it, it's amazing to see how the horses become much more rideable and much more obedient through this work and much more relaxed. Um, as because they understand the concept that you that you're looking for, and it and it's truly amazing to see them transform. Um, one also, of the last. Sorry, but it's also no, no, go please. Yeah, in the moment we have a lot of rain here, and I almost cannot hear you. It okay. is really 
the lady very, very strong. I know. I can hear it. Glenn can hear it, too. You're, we're good, though. Don't worry. We're fine. I can hear you. Okay. It, it, but let me, uh, please let me say something uh, in addition. When okay. you do this, this careful writing from inside to outside, as I described it, that has one very important effect in the horses. You become a close contact with your body to the horse's body, and this makes horses particularly happy. Horses enjoy very much this um, contact of a soft leg and a soft hand, and that makes them relax very well and listening to the rider. A happy horse is always listening to the rider, and that is another reason why I like to do that with this riding from inside to outside to enhance the contact what we need to have to have the horses really happy. Yeah, and you're you're just a master at making horses happy and 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 riders all the smiles today were pretty cool to watch. Um, and for our last question here Schumacher, we talk a lot about um, education and educating riders and horses. And can you talk a little bit about the importance of, of education and also some ways that you feel like Americans can get education? Well, education is extremely important for classical writing. Um, the writers have not only to learn that what we were talking about, uh, the technical part and the field part. It is also, of course, the mental fitness has to be educated. Writers have to have patience. They have to be eager to do it. They have to be determined, but on the other side, they always have to be humble and understand that the mistakes which come about are never done by the horse on purpose. A horse will never do a mistake on purpose. It cannot do it because the horse is not logical-oriented. It reacts on aids, and it reacts on its instincts. So... When the rider is not educated in that way, they will not be fair to the horse. They won't do justice to the horse. And that is why this education is extremely important. And in Germany, we educate our rider at least three to five years um, in order to have later good riders who understand the sport, who understand themselves, and to understand also the instincts of the horses. And when we do not do that, then we will never get really good riders. And good riders are essential for making a good team. And in America, I know that uh, there are many attempts to school the riders well, but I think personally, that uh, a lot of things could be done in addition to that what is done already. And um, I do hope that that will come about now in future in America more. Uh, America must just understand that the stressors riding is different from jumping or eventing. In jumping and eventing, you can 
produced one has to live with your own style. Um, in the press you also have to write on your own, but the knowledge and the way of producing the horses has to be done within a system. And this system is hard to understand when you don't have the education. Right. It is. And, you know, education is available. And, you know, for example, you travel through the country uh, and it's very affordable to come and audit your clinics. And, and it's really a wonderful day of education. So, Herr Schumacher, I need to feed you dinner. You've been working all day and I appreciate your time to talk with us on the Dressage Radio Show. And I hope you'll come back another time. Okay. Thank you very much, please. Well, what a great show and some exciting guests this week. Um, last week, we got a question from Claire Assen about uh, exercises to do with collections. So we're looking forward to getting a guest on to help us uh, answer this question. And uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, we can, we can do that for you. Exactly. And we love listener shout outs. So keep them coming, everybody. Um, and I hope that everyone has a derby party this week. We will, Philip and I will, we'll put up some pictures of our, our weekend hanging out in Kentucky. Uh, but everyone, I hope everyone has a hat and a cute dress and <laughs> make some mint juleps, which are delicious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take photos of all the, t- all my losing tickets and, the, yeah. <laughs> and me ripping them up how I do every year. Just yeah, think, you are, you're never a winner. I have a really. word for you to never think. Orb, O-R-B, orb, orb, orb. Think orb. Think orb. I don't get it. He's one of the top racehorses going to be in the race this weekend. Oh. <laughs> and he's the one, he's the the one we're picking. Orb, orb. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can see how up on the race I am. I have yeah. to be honest. I, I really like the coverage that comes on NBC right before and all the feel-good stories. So I'm one. I'm like, oh, I love that story. And I pick them. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's just part of it. I love to sit down with, with a, a beverage and, and, and watch that. I just love, and I'm crying. Travis is always like, what is your problem? <laughs> oh, did you hear the story of that horse? So, or, okay, Glenn, if we, if we go to the track, we will, we will put a bet for you down on yeah, or, well, and I wanted to say that uh, we're doing a lot of coverage on horses in the morning this week on the Kentucky Derby. That prediction of orb came from the top handicapper in the country was on the show with us on monday uh he won the world handicapping championship a million dollars and we asked him who his pick was and he said he had his eye on orb which probably means that he's not going going to bet on orb <laughs> because he wants all of us to and he's really yeah. going to be picking some other horses probably yeah maybe. that's tricky then okay yeah but we are doing a lot of coverage friday especially we'll be having uh our our guests on to talk about the kentucky derby and and the horses that are running Great. Well, I can't wait to tune in for okay, sure. Maybe I'll get my information there and, uh, <laughs> and then my There you go. <laughs> exactly. You'll be better informed than I will be. Well, everybody, I hope you have a great weekend and I hope you have a great derby party. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Thin Line Global Products. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 